Welcome to No Rules to Live By, where we weigh the rules we adopt and shed to live a fulfilled and balanced life. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. Today's topic is meat. <laughs> why we eat it, why we love it, all the question marks and just everything around it right now. It is like such a hot topic, which is so funny to me because it's like what people have been eating since the beginning of time. Um, so we want to unpack that today. Brianna and I, spoiler alert, are big meat eaters <laughs> and love it uh, for many reasons. Mostly it's taste and nutritional value. Um, but yeah, we kind of want to unpack that today because we feel like there's a lot of strong opinions around there. Um, I think there's a lot of people that maybe were came came up like not eating a ton of meat and are like curious and like want to figure out how to work it into their into their diets. Um, and yeah, we just want to like kind of debunk some of the, the myths around beef and eating meat to nourish your body. Yeah, it's really wild that it's a polarizing topic. I think that a lot of people were kind of fed huh, this idea that meat is bad for you. Um, obviously, we were raised eating meat. It's something that even since I was a kid, I loved and I would, you know, crave lamb chops and ribs and all these different meats. Um, but it's also understandable that after decades of people being told that it, you know, caused cancer or heart disease, that that became a source of fear. Yeah. Brie, I, I still remember a, a visual from our childhood of Brianna being like three feet tall, sitting at a restaurant, ordering a full rack of lamb chops and like waiters just laughing and she would eat the whole thing. So it goes way back in terms of being carnivores. And yeah, I think that, you know, there's so much fear in nutrition and in health. And, you know, for a long time, I think it was this cholesterol fear um and now it's kind of evolved into this fear of inflammation um which is a whole other topic but it does just feel like there's a lot of confusion out there in terms of what a causes like cholesterol to start um and then b like what now is is leading to inflammation which i feel like is just another it's like very similar in terms of like inflammation causes cholesterol it's just so funny to me that people demonize beef and don't take a look at the processed foods that they're eating. It's like, no, it's definitely not the Fritos or the snack snackables or the pita pockets. Uh, it must be, it must be the cow. Right. And there are, there are studies that I was, that I've been reading, um, really looking into different causes of, of cancer and disease. Um, this study that I'm referencing is specifically in regards to colon cancer, but they were looking at a population and that was eating meat. And the result basically said, um, okay, yes, that they're 
these people who are in, you know, what we call like civilized society and they are able to afford meat, they also consume a ton of sugar and they're also in these Western cultures, specifically the United States, where our diet is also full of processed foods and seed oils and all these other products of living in our society that do cause disease and then, you know, it's easy to look at one factor of that and create correlation. And that's why there's so many silly studies out there because you're looking at something in a silo and you're looking at one thing when, and this is why both Alicia and I are proponents of holistic health, because it's important to, you know, look at all aspects of the situation. Yeah, definitely. I was reading, um, Peter Atia's book, Outlive, and he talks a lot about these studies, and I think just studies in general, um, but the ones he refers to around meat eating essentially are inconclusive, and like a lot of times the, it's not like they're like isolating people and controlling their diet in a profound way, especially not like back, you know, in like mid-century when this kind of demonic storyline around meat came to be um they were pulling their data from like loose surveys on what people like remembered eating and so essentially you have to like take especially a lot of the older studies with like a grain of salt and it is really hard to to know um in in a conclusive way like the the connection um, I remember I started really getting into this whole topic when I started listening to The Genius Life, which is a podcast by Max Lugavere. Um, and his whole mission is to understand the science of food so that people can really like nourish their bodies and nourish their brains. What he kind of explain explains in terms of like the importance of of eating meat is really just the nutritional profile and that like the vitamins you get from beef are just so much more complex and more rich than any other nutrient source in terms of you know B12 amino acids um just everything like that makes us up like if you think about you know humans are we're animals we're made of protein fat and water and so being able to eat those types of nutrients to like regenerate our cells um, is really powerful and to the point too where you know something I'd never thought I would have gotten into if you'd asked me like 10 years ago like that I would ever eat a chicken liver or beef liver or beef heart or tongue or, or think I haven't eaten a tongue yet I will digress but um, I would say like hell hell freaking no um, but um, <laughs> That's I've, I've come a long way and I have noticed that in mixing in uh, beef and chicken liver into my diet, and I actually, there are very pal like more palatable ways you can ingest it by taking um, like desecrated uh, organs in like a pill form. So you don't have to think about it. You can take like a, the perfect little amount every day to space it out. Um, so that's one option, but also like occasionally I'll like prepare it. Um, it's not the best, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna be like, I'm not gonna say I crave it, but um, I notice a profound difference in terms of my like energy levels. One th way that I love to eat beef liver, and this is um, a really simple recipe that I learned a couple of years ago when I got really into the work of uh, Weston A. Price. 
and it's basically just butter, a shallot, white wine, and then you cook the liver. To prepare the liver, you you soak it. Always soak liver in milk overnight. It'll get rid of some of the tanginess. Um, and then basically you blend it and strain it, and that's a delicious liver pate. I feel very elegant, you know, with some sourdough bread and some liver pate. It's a great way to eat it, but it's also really labor intensive, so you can't do that all the time. But yeah, that's one way that I really like to incorporate organ meat. That sounds delicious. Definitely a lot of steps. And I feel like you have to be careful too, because you have to like eat it right away, right? You can freeze it, but yeah. Oh, you can freeze it. Okay, that's good. Um, the one way I've made chicken liver is just with a lot of Moroccan or Egyptian or Indian spices, like the strongest flavors you can get in there. I mean, like some avocado oil and maybe some chilies and, and you really just want to like flavor the shit out of it basically, <laughs> um, with lots of peppers and onions. But honestly, I'm going to be real. I just take the, those like heart and soil supplements you can order them online. They're all like grass fed. And I just take a couple of those every day. I have like a whole collection. I kind of like mix and match with my mood. So I, as I like, just don't even have to think about it and I don't have to prepare liver for dinner. We dove right into organ meats, but the easiest way to start eating meat is to incorporate, you know, beef and chicken and pork. And these are all obviously more palatable and they are bioavailable not only proteins but all of the minerals the essential minerals as well as what are deemed non-essential and it's really animal protein is really the only way that we have like bioavailable like zinc and b12 along with a host of other essential nutrients. Now, something I want to touch on, Brie, is I feel like there's a lot of conversation around grass-fed. You know, we see it in the grocery stores, and there's a huge price difference. And, you know, there's all these things on the labels. And it's not just beef, you know, chicken, eggs, everything. We have to be on the defense when we're in the grocery store because a lot of times the labels are trying to mislead you. But there are some certain things that are important to look out to, out, out for, especially as it pertains to, to beef. It's my understanding that essentially, in these big farms, cows are being fed, essentially like, by food byproduct, which is a lot of soybean oil, and a lot of like corn meal, um, things that aren't, they're in their natural diet. Um, beef, like they, they can graze, they'll eat, you know, they'll eat all sorts of insects and and they're mostly vegetarian, but just the diet that they're going to get naturally, um, being able to like graze outside is vastly different than soy byproduct bullshit. Right. You want your meat and your dairy from what the happy cows, right? Cows that were got to live in their natural environment. And just like we say, you know, we are what we eat. Um, if you extrapolate that to the food cycle, if you're eating meat as a way of getting your nutrients, if that cow was malnourished, then you are not getting the benefits of eating meat. Also, that can be misleading on the package too, because a lot of times, like, a lot of times it will say grass-fed, but then they'll 
fatten up the cows with those types of byproducts as well. So you really want to, to take it a step further, you really want to be looking for grass-fed, grass-finished. And all that means is that they just ate grass and, like, grazed outside um, in, versus they got, like, stuffed with a bunch of corn and soy stuff, like, a, towards the end of their life to fatten them up and make them ready to be uh, butchered. Alicia, where do you source your meat from? Well, I... I have like a couple of places. I like to find farms that I really like. Um, I first when I, I first started by finding a farm that's actually pretty local in upstate New York. And this is like super random, but he brings, he's a client of, I go to a chiropractor. He's like a holistic wellness chiropractor that my family and I have gone to um, our whole life. Our chiropractor, Scott, who we should 100% have on the pod, is just really into holistic everything. He's taught us so much about the right supplements, diet, posture. Um, he's like a profound impact on my life. Um, and one of the cool ways is that one of his clients is also a really like high quality farmer in upstate New York. And so he brings um, boxes of meat <laughs> to Scott's. So you like place your order and he'll like bring you like a big box of different cuts of his organic grass fed beef. But when I'm not doing that, if I'm just like at the grocery store, I just look for grass-fed beef. I, I do go to Whole Foods. It is a bit pricier than other grocery stores, um, but I find that it's worth it. And I do things to like make the meat go further in terms of making like big stews with veggies and, and things of that nature um, and getting like the, le you know, the leaner cuts and like experimenting with some of the cheaper cuts um, because it is like beef can be really expensive, especially if you're going the grass fed route. So I would say like my advice would be to just get the highest quality cut you can afford, um, but to try as much as as often as you can to really go the grass fed route. And, it, and if yeah, you're not going to be able to do the grass fed route, then I recommend going for a much for like a leaner cut. Um, so something that I learned through Max, who I mentioned, is that something to do with the way like the fat is stored in the cow's meat that the harmful effects of the kind of byproduct these cows are eating is really stored in their fat cells so it's really it's really it's, you're worse off eating like a fatty cow from a farm than you were than you would be to eat like the filet mignon or the like 93% lean blend so i you know often sometimes i'll do that yeah and grass-fed beef is a great source of omega-3 fats, vitamin B12, vitamin E, um, and other nutrients, even such as creatine. So that's why people who are trying to build muscle, they really need that um, bioavailable uh, nutrients and protein. And it's really interesting. There's different studies of both the remains of ancient cultures and even modern-day school children that eating meat not only makes you taller and stronger, but it also makes you more active and has improvements on your mental health because you're really nourishing your body fully. Um, and to just a side note on about the, the price of meat, um, it's funny because while organ meats are probably the least popular, they actually, if you go to a butcher, they're the cheapest because uh, no one wants them. Yeah, and that's changing <laughs> too. Now really? they're like becoming, they're becoming cool again. Yeah, they're... It's definitely becoming more popular, especially liver, I've noticed. Um, but, um, but yeah, for chickens, for example, you know, like one hack um, 
is to just I'll buy the whole chicken and a lot of times that will come with the um liver inside. And so one of one thing I do among many of my little like kitchen hacks is I'll like collect all the little chicken livers. So I always I buy probably a roast chicken every week and I roast it and we'll eat that for like dinner one night, lunch the next day and then I'll make broth from it. But then I'll also keep the livers in a jar in my freezer and once they like it's like I know once it's like liver enough jar. to make uh, yeah I literally have a liver jar um then I'll you know do the kind of Egyptian spice combo that I mentioned and um yeah make a little yeah, meal you've gotta you've gotta do the milk soak that's like a key yeah key part. I think I don't think I did that maybe it'll maybe I'll like it more if I do the milk soak I've definitely not been doing that yeah it, it gets rid of the um a little bit of the almost like acidy taste that liver has for whatever reason like mm -hmm. um which is what makes it unpopular but there's ways to remedy that yeah um, another thing people will do i haven't done this yet but i've heard about it is you could just i mean those desecrated vitamin those desecrated like supplements that you're buying it's just dehydrated liver or other organ meat and they put it in a gel cap so what you could do too is you could buy a, a a beef or a chicken liver and you can like cut it into little slices and just put it in your freezer and you can just swallow like a little frozen liver like a pill um mm. i haven't gone there yet i'm open to it but um but yeah it's another option that's just more economical way to get organ meat consistently in your diet yeah i will say i went through a brief phase of being pescatarian um because i you know was buying this idea that meat was bad for me and I actually went to my doctor and got blood tests and found that I was really low in in ferritin which I can only really which I can only get from meat and my doctor told me to start eating meat again and I kind of had this like oh moment wow okay so I guess I was actually not doing what was right for my health that I thought that I was and that's and it's really interesting, and we started this episode saying like, I was a really big meat eater as a kid, and it's funny how sometimes like really your intuition just and just following that and not like doing what feels right. Like if you eat meat and it feels good to you, like don't let anything tell you that you shouldn't be doing that. And I wanna I wanna read this just this excerpt from the study of you know women who they found that women who didn't eat three to four servings of beef per week were twice as likely to be depressed or su suffer from an anxiety or bipolar disorder. And I find that really, really interesting. And it was a study done in Australia where cows are grass fed by default. And it's, I just, I think that that's really poetic in a way. I think it just makes a lot of sense um, that if you're have access to grass fed, grass finished beef and you're eating it regularly, you are more nourished and then you're less likely to have, um, you know, psychological ramifications. And because if you feel malnourished, like, of course, your nervous system is in a state of stress and your body is trying to survive. Yeah. I think it's just so easy for people to like look one way and avoid looking the other way. Like if you look at your diet and it's maybe not what you want it to be, like maybe you've gained weight, maybe you're feeling inflamed, maybe you're having health issues. And it's like, yeah, it must be the meat where it's like, all right, well, like, let's look at like, how are you eating meat? Let's look at your plate. You know, are you out at like chilies and you're having like beef quesadillas with a side of tortilla chips and then you're having like a chocolate lava cake and you're having like four glasses of wine with that meal. 
and and you're like, that's the beef. It's got to be the beef. Or are you eating like a nice grass finished steak with like steamed broccoli and like a baked sweet potato and you know like maybe some i don't know like nuts and a banana or for like a something sweet after just looking at how whole are your foods and what else are you mixing in that meat i think meat is used to make extremely rich meals and sometimes oftentimes it's easy to look to like blame meat for what is really sugar and right. processed foods. And also making sure that your diet of meat is complemented by high quality fats um, because protein can't be adequately utilized without dietary fats. And it's interesting where they've seen in low fat diets, even low fat, high protein diets, there are problems in the depletion of vitamin A and vitamin D because your body's not able to adequately absorb the protein. But that's saying it's more important to have the protein, like inadequate protein can also, you know, contribute to coronary heart disease. And that's what's so interesting about these studies is that there are studies that show that it not eating meat really leads to heart disease and eating meat leads to heart disease. And it's like, <laughs> you can't win. Yeah. I think we're really lucky that we were raised in a very high protein household in a very healthy household. Um, I feel like our mom really just made lean chicken, turkey, beef, salmon with like rice and some type of like steamed or sauteed veggie, like for the most part every night. And we also were instead of like snacks or sugars, like we were always encouraged to like have something satiating, have like a couple turkey slices or have um, like some leftovers um, instead of going for like the Oreos or the Nabiscos or whatever. And so I think that's always been like a big part of our fabric. But I do find like a lot of people that I talk to, what they think is a normal amount of protein and is like way off base and they are definitely not eating enough protein and a lot of times starting their day off with something starchy so so yeah i think it's it's, it's so important to pair first of all pair your protein with a healthy fat and also carbs um like what is the oh what so the glucose goddess say? Gluco glucose goddess who i love and that's i really love her diet hacks but one of the things she says is to never like eat your carbs naked like put clothes on your carbs um, and that basically just means put a like a fat source on your carbs so even like putting butter on your bread is like the simplest example but it actually reduces the amount your glucose levels will spike from eating it yeah and you can so. feel it you know like whether you have just like a cookie or you have even if you put like peanut butter on your cookie like you're gonna you're gonna feel like less lethargic and you're not gonna get that little headache and have that sugar crash that you would. Right, so a good principle is to have about your body weight in protein. So a one gram of protein for every pound that you weigh. If you can just try to hit that, um, usually people recommend like a little bit more. If you can hit that, then you're doing well. And I think that Sometimes it can be, it can feel hard when you're not used to it. Like I, I don't eat eggs, which are an amazing, amazing source of vitamins and minerals and choline. And 
I can't have them. And so I I started even having like ground beef for breakfast some days if I have it, ground beef or ground pork with rice and like have that as my breakfast. Um, Nothing wrong with that. But it's, and actually I usually slice an avocado in there. It's delicious. And also another thing, buying ground meats. I I love ground meat just because it's delicious, but it's also usually a lot cheaper than buying like the cuts themselves. Yeah, I'll also like, I'll blend different types of ground meat. So I'll, if I'm making like a chili or a bolognese um, or I'll make like picadillo, I'll buy one pack of beef and I'll buy one pack of pork and I'll make like a big batch that'll last, like I'll freeze half of it for like a whole nother meal. Um, it'll last a few days. Um, so yeah, you can experiment with different blends. <laughs> I actually got that. I got that KitchenAid meat blender, Brie. I haven't experimented with it yet, but. Wow, it's um, a whole blender just for meat. So you attach it to like your KitchenAid and then you can, mm. like the KitchenAid mixer, it's like an extension and you can buy different types of meats and you can blend them and make your own sausages or burgers or whatever. Um, wow. so yeah, feedback coming soon, but I'm excited about that. But, but yeah, I would say, but like those, those different packs are more economical and you can blend them. Um, Will loves to mix and match. Like he'll buy uh, like the force of nature's like elk or um, I actually love bison. ground bison. Mm-hmm. Bison's my favorite. I, I don't even, I won't mix it with much cause I just love it all by itself. Cause it's very lean. It's very flavorful. Um, but like we'll mix like elk and lamb or pork and venison just to make, just to keep things interesting. Um, so and they all have such uh, different flavors, like eating pork and eating lamb are like totally different experiences. And it just makes me sad when people don't eat meat because I'm like, you're missing out on like all of my favorite foods. Um, I, it actually reminds me of the, the big fat Greek wedding where she marries the vegetarian and, and he goes, Oh, like I don't eat meat. And she goes, it's okay. We'll make lamb. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah no i love that movie um, um but yeah it's delicious and nobody wants to be anemic be it doesn't like if you're low in in iron you're low in vitamin b12 you have all of these different um both psychological and physiological symptoms where you don't feel good and i've experienced like just really not feeling good and sometimes you go out and you need a steak and you're like body thanks you and you say i feel so good yeah i actually stopped eating steak for a few years not like intentional like i wasn't eating it i just wasn't around Mm -hmm. it when i feel like when i was in college and because just like i wasn't gonna get it at the dining hall i wasn't you know i was eating like pasta i was living off like pasta and pizza and my friend meg and i we got into this ritual because we like went to the like inn in our college town and we both would get filet mignons and a glass of red wine and we felt so good because we hadn't had it in probably like months. And so it became like a ritual. Like every couple of weeks, we would just peel off, go to the inn, have filet and feel great. So there is there is like something so instinctual about it because um, your body, it's like you crave it because your body wants all those yummy vitamins and, stuff and yeah. uh, that nourishment. I went to... Um what's it called saint as anselm oh that's that uh steakhouse in brooklyn yes so i went to saint i've been dying to go there i went there the night of the super bowl to get a good steak before i went and pretended to care about football and it was it was really really good we should go sometime um and they have really high quality steaks and 
I'm it so in. So delicious. Also, something that I uh, love to make that just really spices up a steak is uh, chimichurri. So mm. you can do it with really any herb. I make a chimichurri with like parsley, cilantro, red pepper flakes, garlic, olive oil, and red wine vinegar. But you could you could mix it. You could put like mint, like any type of acid with fresh herbs and olive oil and garlic and if you don't like spice you can omit the red pepper flakes but like play around with those combos to make herbaceous toppings for your um for your steak it all herbs are herbaceous totally unstable herbs they're (laughs) totally packed with like tons of other vitamins that um, are really good for you and they just make the steak incredible i also will recommend getting a cast iron pan if you don't already have one um Mm. as if especially if you don't have access to like a grill, which I don't, um, the, the flavor on a cast iron is just that char you get. is just so freaking delicious. Um, and yeah, lots of yummy ghee butter. And also you'll get the iron in all of your meals from the cast iron pan, um, which, which will help increase your iron. And I was reading studies which were interesting in a, in a couple of my different books here were saying that it is really good to cook at lower temperatures and um, whether that be because of the char, but it does say that it is that the benefits of eating the meat are better. And the, obviously some of the ramifications, um, carcinogens and such, um, if you mm. cook it at a low temperature, it's supposed to be good. But that being said, I learned how to make a steak on my pan and on my, you know, in a cast iron or even a regular pan um, from, from Frank um from your uh, favorite restaurant and oh frank presenzano hell yeah, yeah. Hit, you know you buy a nice steak you put it on your pan you put a ton of butter in there and you take a big spoon and you baste like the whole time it's cooking on high and you're like basting the top and the butter bottom so that the butter is cooking the top um and it's perfect that's how you do it yeah and on finding good steaks brie just to uh come back to that point too like farms are really figuring it out in terms of building their own like e-commerce platforms and so you don't necessarily have to just find a farm that's near you you there's i've ordered from farms in georgia um, i've ordered from farms in michigan um so a lot of them are like transforming their business into ddc and are doing it right and have like great regenerative practices and great like grass-fed options and all sorts of different types of meat offerings so um yeah if you just google like top regenerative farms us and just start doing your homework mm-hmm. um i know also people love butcher box i haven't tried that yet but that's also a great option um there's so much out there that you don't even, even really need to go farms, to the grocery like store farms um is obviously like really famous on instagram and they distribute their meat i also will go to the farmer's market if i have time on a you know wednesday or saturday sunday i'll go to the farmer's market and get it direct from source see what's um, up see what's get up some raw milk Get some yeah, fresh I cheese. Yeah, get some milk, get some yogurt. Um, I'm I'm back on eating like primarily full fat dairy. So sometimes I'll do lower fat, but I usually buy whole milk or, you know, at lowest 2% and it's delicious. I actually um, even put usually half and half or heavy whipping cream in my coffee. Uh, and that's, it's just... Uh, one, it stabilizes my glucose level a little bit better. It helps my stomach with the acid of the coffee, for example, too. And so I think that basically it's like, just do what, do what feels good, but try, make, try to make sure that you're having it 
as high of quality as you can find. Um, and another topic just to delve into is that you can't really talk about meat without acknowledging that there is a level of which some people don't eat meat for like religious reasons for either fasts or, you know, Hindus don't eat most meats um, because uh, of religious reasons. And that's kind of a different topic. I don't want to, you know, I think that the nutritional conversation is kind of separate from not eating meat for religious reasons, of course. Um, I know even like in almost all religions, even it's Lent right now. Um, and in Lent, most adults don't eat meat on Fridays just as a form of fasting, but it's kind of a, it's a pretty low key fast. So it doesn't talk, get talked about a lot. Yeah. I do think it's really interesting and this is like a whole nother conversation, but getting into like traditions and why they exist and whether it be like the practice of Lent and not eating meat or, you know, in Judaism, how there's a day of fast. It's like, why do these things exist? And I, I was a religion major. So like, I really love this, this stuff. It's just like ancient wisdom, you know, is like the, the root of it. For whatever reason, not eating meat once a week was probably just good for you. You know, not because meat is bad and we should demonize it and not eat it ever. But, you know, it's, a, it's, it's good to take a step back and like take a cleanse from something or, you know, get into a little caloric deficit, which I'm sure they were doing when they weren't eating meat once a week. And that is good to do for a little while once a year. Um, or to fast for a day, which we know helps with cell regeneration and all of those benefits. So it's funny to look at these traditions and be like, oh, yeah, it's just like their religion. But it's like it's also like a beautiful tradition that probably stemmed from it being making a lot of sense and helping people with their health. Um, so they just kind of like worked it into a holiday. Yeah, I want to I want to read this excerpt because I think that it talks about that exactly what you're getting at, where like the there's it's there's two sides to the coin here. Um, so like the wisdom of fasting, not eating meat is justified by the fact that meatless diets often prove beneficial in the treatment of cancer and other diseases such as arthritis, kidney problems, and gout. But problems start to arise if the practice fasting from meat is continued too long. And these include caries, bone loss, nervous disorders, and reproductive ailments. So it's like, you know. You're kind. You're getting benefits from restricting meat. You're also getting benefits from incorporating meat, and that's why we, as humans, are omnivores. It's like sometimes you need to have uh, your veggies, and you also need to have your meats. So eat your meat. <laughs> find a good source. Go to the farmers market. Do good things. Love the world. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review, follow us, or share it with a friend. Have a great day, and remember, you make the rules.